You can open up your Bibles to James chapter 1, verse 12. James 1, verse 12. This is the word of the Lord for us tonight. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let's pray. Dear God in heaven, we are thankful to be here tonight. We're thankful to declare the truth of these songs that you are on your throne. And nothing in our life is of confusion, worry, or fear to you. Therefore, nothing in our life should be of confusion, worry, or fear to us either. I pray that you would give us eyes of wisdom through your word to see your purpose even in the hardest moments of life. We pray this uh, for your sake and for your glory. Amen. I have a question for you tonight. Question, what is the essential trait for someone who successfully climbs Mount Everest? What is the, the key quality? Anybody? Anybody? Perseverance. Perseverance. Good job. Another question for you. What is the essential character quality required to not only win, but finish the Boston Marathon? Anybody? Anybody? Perseverance. These are really hard questions, right? I've got another one for you. <laughs> this is a fun one. What is the essential quality necessary of the snail to make it all the way to the ark before the flood starts? Anybody? Anybody? Perseverance, not speed. Perseverance. I've got another question for you. What is the essential quality of a musician for sawing a woman in half? Anybody? Anybody? Perseverance. Don't think about it too hard. Never mind. Anyway. Perseverance is a glorious trait, a key quality to accomplishing something, to, to accomplishing a high achievement. Perseverance is required. Perseverance is also a quality that the world recognizes and supremely values. Now, they might not value perseverance for the same reasons we're going to talk about, but the world has a great value and great respect for the person who perseveres. This is what Babe Ruth said, the spokesman for the world. <laughs> it's hard to beat a person who never gives up. Or, here's another person by the name of Napoleon Hill, not Napoleon Dynamite. For those of you that were confused, and definitely not the other Napoleon. This is just a U.S. businessman. A victory is always possible for the person who refuses to stop fighting. Perseverance. Or, Vince Lombardi. I hate him. <laughs> the difference between a successful person and others is not a lack of strength or a lack of knowledge, but rather a lack of 
will. Perseverance. Or John D. Rockefeller said this, I don't think there is any quality so essential to success of any kind as the quality of perseverance. It overcomes almost everything, even nature. And of course, my favorite perseverance quote is not really a representative of the world. It's Spurgeon, who said this, By perseverance, the snail reached the ark. (laughs) Sorry, that's the greatest quote of all time. Perseverance is a supreme quality that our world admires and will admire in you as long as you don't disagree with them. But perseverance you also see in the pages of of the Bible as a supreme, essential quality for spiritual life. God wants you to have perseverance. Perseverance is essential to faith. And just here, just a kind of a thumbnail introduction of perseverance. It is surely perseverance that God wants to see in his children. He, as we have seen in James 1, brings trials our way. Why? So that we will be strengthened in our perseverance. Perseverance is also key in the Christian life for bearing fruit. Luke 8, 15 says this, the seed in the good soil, um, the, the, the seed in the good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good heart and hold it fast and bear fruit with perseverance. You only bear fruit in the Christian life if you have a quality called perseverance. And perseverance is also seen as the key to answered prayer. Jesus tells a parable in Luke 18, one and follows, about how perseverance is essential. And he, he, he tells this prayer so that his disciples will have perseverance in prayer. And tonight, perseverance, maybe the, the biggest theme of the Bible is the one we're going to tackle tonight. Perseverance is the ultimate proof of saving faith. Perseverance is the ultimate fruit and proof of saving faith. Now, be careful here. We're not saying you work for your salvation through perseverance. What we are saying here is perseverance shows or demonstrates the reality or the quality of your faith. Is it from above or is it from below? True faith perseveres. And this is the ultimate, the ultimate proof of faith. Tonight we're going to examine a few evidences of true perseverance, a few evidences of true perseverance. We're going to, we're going to examine uh, perseverance through three evidences. And now let me just uh, tell you up front, I'm going to go as fast as I can, as fast as humanly possible. No, that's not true. I'm going to go fast through point one. I'm going to skim it really quick. I am going to linger for an uncomfortably long time through point number two. For a while, you're going to think, man, maybe he's moved on to another point. But no, I'm still in point two. There's actually most of the sermon I want to preach you today, uh, tonight, is point two. So really pay attention to point two. And then I'm going to try to get out of point three as quickly as possible. But point three will get its hooks in me and not let me go for a while. So just, just so you know, I'm aware. I'm aware of how it's going to go. But I'm going to go really fast through number one, really slow through number two, and hopefully get out of number three before it is midnight. So there we go. Point number one, uh, the first evidence of perseverance. Let's, let's, let's refer to this as the end perseverance anticipates. The end perseverance anticipates. Or you could write it, the joy perseverance 
anticipates. Or you could say the blessedness perseverance anticipates. Perseverance anticipates this. Uh, Verse uh, 12, once again, the first part of it, blessed is the man, or really anyone, who, what? Perseveres. Now, once again, just to define perseverance, perseverance is more than just patience, although patience, we will see, is a quality of perseverance. Perseverance is this, this sense of having steadfast endurance. You're going in a direction, and you're not giving up. It is It's an enduring pursuit of God, his will, and his way in your life. It is continuing. It is is active pursuit. It is tenacious pursuit. It is persistence. It is boldness. It is daring pursuit of God in your life. That is perseverance. You could could look at it like I have illustrated in the past. Perseverance isn't the midshipman down below hanging on to the nearest thing he can grab, enduring, hoping this storm will go away. No, perseverance is more illustrated from the captain on the deck, holding to the steering wheel, driving the boat directly into the storm because it is only through the storm that they are saved. That is perseverance. I am plowing forward pursuing the course that I have been called to pursue. Or you could say it like this. Perseverance is in the mud pit. But perseverance isn't just holding on to the rope. You're not persevering if you're just holding on to the rope. Perseverance is pulling the rope in a direction with intention to win. That is perseverance. And it doesn't give up until you are Drag through the mud this direction, or you are dragging the other team through the mud in the other direction. That is perseverance. But why? Why does perseverance persevere? Because of the end in view. Notice, it is blessed. Blessed is the man who perseveres. Perseverance anticipates this ending of blessedness. By the way, the word blessed doesn't refer to uh, like a wish, man. I really wish you have a blessed day. It's not referring to a hope. I sure hope you have a blessed end to your life and all this perseverance. No, perseverance is actually a divine verdict. It is God saying to you, this person is in the state continually of blessedness. The antonym of blessed is actually woe. Sometimes in the gospel you see Jesus saying, uh, blessed are you if you do this. Blessed are you if you do this. And then he, then he says the opposite. But woe to you. It's as if Jesus is, is saying, I see your ending and it is cursed. But the opposite of woe is blessed. How delightful, how wonderful, how enviable is the person who perseveres. This is what perseverance means. It means you are highly privileged. And this is God declaring to you, The person who perseveres to the end is of a highly enviable and privileged position. Blessed. And now, of course, obviously, obviously, the person who perseveres is not blessed in their current situation, in their current condition. That's not what James is saying. How blessed are you in your pain? Not necessarily saying that. No, he's pointing to a future state. You, you are in a future state of blessedness, but notice this, this future state of blessedness seeps into your present, right? When you have a future blessedness, your present will reflect that. You, you, you'll have this future blessedness already being experienced in your life in the present. 
Matter of fact, Peter, in a similar way, or referring to a future blessedness, what does he say? You are presently rejoicing and greatly. And Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, when he is talking about current persecution and your future blessedness, he says, in this you rejoice and are glad. There is an emotional sense to blessedness. It's not just saying happy, though, but there is this sense of being greatly glad because of your future position and state. Blessed is the one who perseveres. And and notice here we even see the reward, the hope, the end that perseverance is anticipating. He will receive a crown or the crown of life. Better to probably say, as LSB does, the crown of life. Now, what is the crown of life? Real quick, this doesn't appear to be some sort of special, special uh, reward for like the super spiritual elite ones in heaven. It appears that this is just referring to eternal life. The crown is life. That is what it's saying. Literally, literally, um, he will receive the crown that is life. And this is an image of honor, of glory, of reward. Sometimes people would receive a crown for completing a race. Or perhaps it is a royal crown of honor, as we get the suggestion in 2 verse 5, right? Um, The heirs of the kingdom. Is this a royal crown of dignity, of honor? Whatever it is, this is an image of reward. They receive the crown. They receive eternal life, which is a crown to whoever possesses it. But notice, once again, this blessedness that you anticipate seeps into the future. Now, here's a a silly illustration, but it helps me kind of think about it. Let's say there's two prisoners. There's two prisoners, and they're both on death row. And one of them is going to die tomorrow. And the other one just received a note before it was time to go to bed. Hey, as they say in Monopoly, clerical error in your favor. You are getting released tomorrow. Now, both of those prisoners will be in prison for the remainder of the night, but I guarantee you that both of those prisoners will have a very different experience of their prison condition because of their future, right? How blessed is the person who perseveres? They have a current state of joy because of that. Let's look at our second evidence of perseverance. Not only are we looking at the end uh, perseverance anticipates, let's also examine the pain perseverance experiences. The pain. So we're look, we were looking at the future, but let's look at the, the present here. The pain perseverance experiences. Obviously, if perseverance didn't require pain, everybody would be doing it. Everybody would have perseverance. But the, the fact of the matter is perseverance is just implicitly carries pain with it. That is why it's called perseverance. That's why it's so commendable, so difficult. But notice... What perseverance endures, what perseverance experiences, they persevere, number one, under trial. Now, what is, what, is, what is that idea of trial? That's referring to anything you experience for being a follower of Christ or anything in your life that is hard, that is difficult, that is revealing the true nature of your spiritual condition, that's revealing your faith. That's what a trial is. It is just showing. It is just revealing what your true faith is, what the true nature of your faith is. You know how in job interviews, they say, how do I know that you are qualified for this job? 
Of course, you give them the best example of all of your qualities in your best situation. Well, one time when I had total sleep, I did this great job like this. That's not the kind of revealing that a trial does. A trial reveals who you are on your worst day. A trial shows what your faith is like when it's the hardest moment for your faith. And therefore, a trial reveals the true nature of your faith. It's one thing to say you're a Christian when everything's going well. It's another thing to be a Christian holding fast and persevering in the faith when life is hard. That is when you truly know what kind of a Christian you are. When all your friends are doing it, what kind of Christian are you? When nobody else is around, what kind of a Christian are you? Trials reveal the true nature of your faith. And your faith is known in those moments. Rejoice in those moments because they are showing you who you are. But remember this also, trials of this, of this nature are designed by God to expose your weakness. And remember this, trials are purposed by God to also strengthen you by removing your weakness. There's this um, Navy SEALs workout video that uh, my brother, older brother and sister used to do in my house. And so we'd always be saying the lines. You know, you know workout videos. I mean, I mean it's ancient. Now you do like uh, you know, YouTube videos, I suppose. But, but, but back in the day, we didn't have YouTube. So we watched the same VHS over and over and over again. And also with workout videos. And, and, and you know, when you're watching the same thing every single day or your siblings are doing the same thing every single day, you get to kind of remember the quotes. And I, and I will always remember this one quote. This was a, a Navy SEAL workout video, which is just kind of silly to me. Like, right, yeah, you can become a Navy SEAL just by doing this 10-minute-a-day workout. But anyway, I always remember this say, saying, pain. He was talking about pain, and he said, the pain, the pain, the beautiful pain. Pain is, this is my favorite quote, pain is weakness leaving the body. Next time you're working out, just say that to yourself. The pain, the pain, the beautiful pain. Pain is weakness leaving the body, right? There's, a, there's actually a biblical sense of truth to that, right? Pain is weakness, but it's not leaving your body. Pain in your life is weakness leaving your faith as you persevere in it. Pain is weakness leaving your faith. But, but notice, it's this faith that perseveres isn't just under trial. It also is being approved. Notice the, the other phrase there. For once it has been approved, he will receive the crown. What does it mean to be approved? This is the, the goal of the trial. It is, it is proving the metal of an object. That is what approved means. Matter of fact, this word approved is used for, for, for putting value on coins or metals. You see it all throughout the Old Testament in the Greek translation. You, you, you see, whenever you see the phrase, for example, finest gold or pure gold, it's referring to approved gold. Or in one, in one place, it, it says merchant approved gold, right? This is approved gold. This is true gold. This is authentic gold. This is valuable gold. This is precious gold. This is strong gold, if you could say it that way. This is what approved is. But notice, to be under trial, to be approved, mean, means pain will come to you. Because pain produces the heat that removes the weakness and strengthens your faith. Painful perseverance, though, is a sign of true, genuine, and valuable faith. 
But get this. As pain is experienced in your faith, pain will bring about perseverance. It will strengthen perseverance. And what happens when perseverance is strengthened? Your joy is strengthened. Why? Because of what you anticipate with perseverance. Remember that? The end that perseverance anticipates is a blessed one. As your faith is strengthened, your perseverance is strengthened. And as your perseverance is strengthened, your blessedness, your joy in the end is strengthened. So even though perseverance is pain, this very pain itself is working for your joy as you persevere in it. Matter of fact, this brings us to the argument of James. And now here you thought I was going to forget about it. But hey, nope, hand motions, here we come again. Let's remember why, why, here we go, let me pull the sheet out. Just so I'm like, Why should we rejoice in trials? Why? Because trials, do it with me, trials, put down your pencils. Trials, what do trials do? They strengthen your faith, right? But they only strengthen your faith when? When you pray in them to God for wisdom. Now, what does true wisdom do? True wisdom, it thinks eternally. That's what we, we talked about last week, right? So just one, one, one more time, one more time. Why should I rejoice in trials? Trials strengthen my faith. But only when I pray to God for wisdom in my trials. Because wisdom, true wisdom, causes me to think eternally. And that brings us to today. And what does true wisdom also do? True wisdom. True wisdom causes you to look to the crown. So there we go. Right in James. Oh, one more time. One more time. Ready? What do trials do? Why should I rejoice in trials? Trials strengthen my faith because in trials I pray to God for wisdom and true wisdom thinks eternally and true wisdom looks forward to the crown. Rachel Taves, good job. I hope that's on the recording. She did excellent job, excellent job. But did you, did you notice that? Did you notice that? And, and even going back, do you see how it all is starting to connect? We are called in verse 2 to consider it all joy when we experience various trials. Why do we count it all joy, consider it pure joy when we, cons- when we face trials? Because we know that these trials are growing our perseverance. And now, and now look at where we are. Every trial is working together to have a strengthening effect in your total perseverance, which causes you to look forward to the crown. Little trials, one after another, are actually contributing to your assurance of salvation as you respond to them correctly. Therefore, I would say to you that trials are a great gift, a great gift from God to learn perseverance through. Regardless of how small it is, how big it is, trials for the believer and only for the believer are a great gift. They're a great gift of great joy that gives you perseverance and gives you great joy through that perseverance. But let me tell you something else. If that's the power of perseverance, if that's the power of trials, you can bet that your trials will be an object of your adversary's attack. And you can bet that perseverance will be what he will gun for most in your life. And you can bet that he will try to kill your perseverance through any means necessary. 
to make you useless and ineffective. That's what the devil wants to do. Kill your perseverance. I've got a list of ways your perseverance may be killed. Now, now, admittedly, this is a very tender topic, perhaps. And I don't say this because I simply want to be mean or cruel or make you feel uncomfortable. But I, I, I want to give you pain, if that's what I give you, for your ultimate good, for your ultimate sanctification. Pain for your progress, you could say. So, yeah, these, these might make you uncomfortable, might make you upset, but this is for your good. What are the perseverance killers, we'll call them? Number one, the first perseverance killer that I, that I can think about is an absolute refusal to experience pain. If you absolutely refuse to experience pain in your life, you will not persevere. If you say to yourself, all pain is always absolutely bad and I will avoid it at all costs, you will not long persevere in your faith. For one, all pain is not all bad. Once again, we've been talking about this. Some pain actually has a remarkably good effect on you. And if you're a believer, you can rejoice in that trial. But let me tell you this. If you make it a habit of removing yourself of hard, uncomfortable, challenging situations because it's painful, you are removing yourself from the very means God has given you to prove your faith, to grow your faith, and to strengthen your faith. If if you have a mindset, though, is I absolutely refuse to experience any kind of pain or discomfort in my life, you will not persevere. Or let's look at another perseverance killer, um, number two, uh, we'll call this one the magnifying glass of introspection. Any of you are Sherlock Holmes fans, you know what magnifying glasses are. They make things look what? Bigger. That's what a magnifying glass does. I'm looking at something small on the ground and it becomes bigger. But this is the magnifying glass of introspection. Maybe you've heard of contemplating your navel before. Uh, Introspection is thinking about yourself all the time. Perseverance, though, requires you to have a mindset. It requires strong thinking to persevere. If, If you don't think actively about your pain and about your trial, your trial and your pain will think for you. Or to say it another way, Your misery and your trouble will magnify and distort your trouble and your trial. It will make your trial look bigger than it actually is. It will make your trouble look huge, massive, unbearable even. And by the magnifying glass of introspection, I'm just constantly thinking about my problems, my problems, my needs. You are not only magnifying your trouble, but you're also shrinking your God. That's what a magnifying glass of introspection does. It makes your problems look big and your God look small. Actually, you know what? This happens all the time. And and we know it happens all the time, not just from personal experience, but because the Bible tells you so. Here's some examples of people that had the magnifying glass of introspection. The first one is Cain. He says this, my punishment is too great for me to bear. It's too great for me. It's too big. That's Genesis 4.13. Or how about Moses in Numbers 11.11? He says this to Yahweh, Why have you allowed this evil towards your slave? 
that you have... Oh, man, did I write that word wrong? That you have put the burden of all of this people on me. Notice what, what Moses is saying there. And, and really, and the LSB says, why have you allowed this evil towards me? What Moses is really saying is, why have you caused all this evil? Why have you put all this evil on me that you have caused me to bear these people? What is Moses doing there? He is magnifying his problem, and it's also causing him to accuse God of causing this evil on him. Moses, in his lonely thoughts, in pain, make God out to be evil and himself unable to bear it. Or how about Elijah in 1 Kings 19.10? You remember this story? This is right after the, the, the famous um, Mount Carmel incident. But instead of rejoicing in God, Elijah runs away. And he says this to the Lord, I have been very zealous for Yahweh, the God of hosts. But Israel has forsaken your covenant, pulled down your altars, and killed your prophets. And then what does he say? And I alone am left. Notice what he does there. He magnifies his problems, and that causes him to also minimize his God. I am the only one, God. I'm the only one struggling with this. I'm the only one faithful to you. I'm the only one experiencing pain right now. Nobody understands me. If you don't talk to your pain and talk to your trial, your trial and your pain will talk to you and make themselves out to be bigger than they actually are and make your God out to be smaller than he actually is. Let's look at another perseverance killer, though. Um, The third one, perseverance killer. I would say this one is a certainty of becoming overwhelmed. This is a perseverance killer. I will be overwhelmed, you say to yourself. As a matter of fact, this kind of connects to uh, the magnifying glass of introspection, right? When you and your circumstances are magnified, you will believe them to be unbearable to you. You will say to yourself, my personality can't possibly handle this. It'll say, my emotions are too weak to endure this. It'll say, I will certainly fail. Why don't I just give up now? I cannot handle this. And I am certain that I will become unable to handle this. Why don't I just give up now? Now, let me be clear to you that if you put yourself in situations of temptation... If you put yourself in places where you will be tempted, you will be overwhelmed. But, let me tell you this, if you are experiencing pain in your life because you are choosing to follow God and be faithful to his word, God's word says you will never be overwhelmed. You will never be in a situation that you cannot handle or cannot, by God's grace, escape. As you're seeking God's will. Now there's a difference between I'm just going to put myself in the worst situations possible and the other situation is I'm pursuing God faithfully and I'm feeling like my problems are overwhelming. There's a big difference between that. But notice what 1 Corinthians 10.13 says to people. It says this about your big God. God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able but with the temptation will provide you a way of escape also so that you will be able to endure it. What does that mean? God's people 
are never outside of the controlling faithfulness of God. And there is never a situation where you will be overwhelmed, where the power of the Spirit will be insufficient, where the grace of God will not be enough. Anyone who says, I will certainly be overwhelmed by my circumstances is thinking small thoughts of their God and big thoughts of their problems. Let's look at another perseverance killer. Not only a certainty of becoming overwhelmed, but think about this. Keeping the easy escape of sin open. Keeping the easy escape of sin open. I guess for some strange reason, I was thinking a lot about the SEALs when I wrote this message because I thought about another SEALs illustration. In SEALs training, it's called BUDS training down in San Diego, they, uh, they have this thing where they do, they do very vigor, uh, rigorous training. It's very difficult. I couldn't do it, <laughs> to be honest. Um, but there, there is this, this element of their training which I just think is just torture. You can be done with training at any time that you want. If the waves get too cold or too harsh or too hard, the mornings get too early, or you're just plain tired, you can end the BUDS training at any moment. All you have to do is go out there and ring the bell, and you're done. You're done. And it's just, it's just standing there for anyone who wants to quit. Quit. We don't want you, basically. And I would say this, the, the candidate who keeps their eyes on the bell is sure to fail. The candidate who keeps their mind thinking about the bell, how easy it would be to ring that bell, is sure to fail, are they not? The candidate who doesn't pursue their training with all of their heart and perseverance is sure to fail. The candidate who's always thinking, well, I could always just go ring that bell if it gets difficult, is sure to ring that bell eventually. And that's exactly the way we are in sin too, right? If you keep the easy out of trials through sin available in your mind and in your heart, you will fail in your perseverance. You can get out of trials a lot through sin. You know that? Just click on the mouse. You're out of the trial. Just blow up. You're out of the trial. Just get angry. You're out of the trial. You can get out of trials all the time, or think you're out of the trials at least, just through sin. But perseverance requires you to take the very thought of sin captive at the door and block it at the entrance. To say, no, instantly, I will not ever contemplate sin. I am going to, by the power of God, through the grace of the Holy Spirit, say no to this temptation and move forward to a, to a Christ-honoring activity. But if you keep the easy escape of a sin always before you, you are sure to not Persevere, And this leads us to our last perseverance killer, and this is really the heart of all of them, I would say. This is questioning the goodness and the promises of God. This is a perseverance killer. When you allow questions about the goodness and the character and the promises of God to enter your heart and find purchase there. Allowing the belief of the heart like this. Maybe God just got it wrong. Maybe God got it wrong about me, about his word, about my gender, about 
his application to my circumstances. Maybe God got it wrong about my problems. Maybe God got it wrong with his providence. I really shouldn't be here. This is a mistake. Maybe God is wrong in his sufficient provision. Maybe his spirit isn't enough. Maybe his grace isn't sufficient for me. Maybe God is wrong. You wouldn't say that out loud. But that's what you think in your heart. Maybe God got it wrong. In other words, your heart is not giving God the benefit of the doubt. It's not saying, hey, God is infinitely wise, infinitely powerful. All things work for his his glory and my good. Therefore, I'm just going to assume somehow, regardless of how difficult it is, that, that this situation is also working for his glory and my good. You're not giving God the benefit of the doubt at all. You're, you're saying, he must have gotten it wrong because he doesn't know me. He doesn't know my situation. Your heart actually inverts everything about God. It inverts all of his promises to be curses. And all of the things that God says are curses to be promises. You, to, to what God says is good, you say is bad, insufficient, unsatisfying. And to what God says is evil or wrong, you say good, my treasure, blessed to me. By the way, that is the very definition of worldliness. It flips the world completely upside down. What God says is good, you call bad. And what God calls bad, you call good. These are all perseverance killers. They rob your faith of strength to persevere. Ultimately, they, they rob you also of trials benefit in your life. Because they rob your faith of strength through perseverance. And what are they really doing? They're trying to remove and rob your faith of any pain. That is perseverance killers. But true faith that perseveres and is blessed under trial is the faith that is truly faith. But it will experience pain as well. Let's look at our final evidence of true perseverance. Final evidence. This is point number three, if you're confused. Point number three. Uh, We've already seen how um, the end We've seen the end perseverance anticipates. We've also just looked at the pain perseverance experiences. Now let's just finish it up with the love perseverance reveals. The love perseverance reveals. How is faith described in your Bible? There's lots of, there's lots of synonyms for faith, aren't there? You could say perseverance is a synonym for faith. You could say trust is a synonym for faith. You could say belief is a synonym for faith. You could say obedience is a synonym for faith. Uh, John 3, 36, look it up later. It's crazy. But notice carefully how James describes faith. James describes true faith that perseveres in verse 12 as the faith that loves the Lord. Notice that. The one who perseveres, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Faith, perseverance, is love. And trials and troubles are merely revealers of what or who you love. But the faith that perseveres continues does so, not just because it's gritting its teeth and it's bearing it. No, look at this. True faith that perseveres, perseveres because it loves Jesus exceedingly more than any trouble or trial or pain or comfort. That is the heart of perseverance. 
Trials and troubles are speaking to you. They're talking to you in your pain. They're saying, they're, 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 they're parading the pleasures, the, the comforts of the world, the escape of the world, and sin and all of the options before you. And they're asking you this simple question, do you really love Jesus now? That's what pain and trial are asking you. Do you really love Jesus more than these? But true spiritual wisdom, remember, that comes to you through prayer. True spiritual wisdom, what? Does what? It interprets. It interprets trials correctly. It sees them eternally. And it also sees that this is a challenge of love. Who do I love more? In fact, as I would say, as your love for Christ grows, the painfulness of trials diminish because the love for Christ is exceeding in your heart and in your mind. Notice also a cross-reference. Crowns aren't just for the spiritual special saints. Paul himself says in 2 Timothy 4.8, In the future there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord the righteous judge will award me. And not only me, but also all who have what? Loved his appearing. Perseverance shows who you love. That's a beautiful thought. It's a wonderful thought. That's actually encouraging to your perseverance. Perseverance isn't just enduring pain. Perseverance is loving Jesus. Let me ask you a question tonight. Who do you love? Do you love Jesus Christ? Have you been given eyes to see the very weight of your sin before a righteous and holy God? Have you seen that sin? Have you recognized that sin? The eternal judgment for that sin? Have you become aware of your state? And have you been given eyes to turn in faith and obedience to Jesus who bear the eternal weight of sinners' sins? And not only that, Jesus also gives, counts his perfect righteousness to you. That you stand before God without sin and clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. Have you been given eyes to see that, faith to believe that and embrace that? Have you laid your hands on the eternal inheritance that is without diminishment, without perishing that cannot be defiled, that cannot fade. First Peter 1, 4 says this, this eternal inheritance is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. I love those three words. What do they say about your faith, that the, the object of your faith, the eternal inheritance? It is something that cannot be threatened by the most overwhelming trouble that you can experience, death. Your inheritance is what? imperishable. It also is undefiled. Not only is it death-proof, it's also sin-proof. Can you, can you fathom that? Your eternal inheritance will never be corrupted by sin. And also, it is unfading. It is time-proof as well. Your internal inheritance will never fade. Experience age. It'll never get old. The crown of life is a glorious existence that never gets boring. It is knowing God. It is knowing Christ forever. 
Do you love Jesus? Do you love Jesus? Love for Jesus that perseveres is the ultimate proof of true faith. It is the ultimate proof that your faith is not just worldly kind of faith, but faith from above, given and borne by God. It is faith that perseveres because it sees the world with eternal eyes. It sees the world through the cross and the blood of Christ and loves him eternally and cannot let go of Christ. That love actually defeats every perseverance killer there is. Think about this. 1 Corinthians 13.7 describes what love does. And let me ask you this question as we close. Does your love for Christ do this? Do you have true love for Christ? What does love for Christ do? 1 Corinthians 13.7, it says this in describing what love does. Love, first off, bears all things. There is nothing, there is, uh, there is no one that will, will cause you to not bear with the object of your affection. There is no situation that will cause you to bear less with Christ. He is your affection. You follow him in all things. It follows Christ in everything, through everything, for Christ is its first love. And therefore, it bears every situation. Or how about this? Love not only bears all things, love also believes all things and hopes all things. This is what love does. Love, in every circumstance, love gives Christ thanks. In everything, love assumes that my God is up to something good. In, in every circumstance or trial, love perseveres because it believes God more than it believes its current trials or what its trials are saying about its current trials. Love believes all things, believes in God in all things, it hopes all things, and then finally love endures all things. It endures all things for Christ's sake, for Christ, of course, has endured all of your wrath and all of your judgment. Do you have love for God? Do you have love for God that is truly born again by God? That shows itself in perseverance? It might not be perfect, but it's being strengthened. Do you have a love for Jesus? Love perseveres to the end. Let's pray. Dear God in heaven, we thank you for this evening. We pray that our hearts and our minds would be challenged through these words, but also strengthened through the pain that these words perhaps bring through the pricking words of your spirit. We pray that you would help us and grow us. Amen.